0: Good morning, Foothill Church. Good morning, Pastor Shane. Hey, my name's Shane. I am not Chris Lewis. Uh, Chris is gone this month and uh, on sabbatical, so uh, it's good to be with you Uh, here at Grand Avenue. Welcome. Uh, Over at Baseline, hello, welcome to you. Hope you're doing well over there. Uh, If you're new with us, what we do every single week is about half the time the preacher is over here at Grand Avenue. Half the time the preacher is over at Baseline and we utilize all the seats, all the parking spots at both campuses that we have. So it's great to be with all of you uh, at Grand and Baseline uh, this morning. Uh, Just want a quick reminder, uh, we do a prayer night every single month at the last Wednesday of every month. And so this coming Wednesday, three days from now, is our final Wednesday of the month. So I want to make sure you join us for that it's going to be a great night we're going to look at some of the prayers from the old testament and see how they guide our prayers for today and actually pray and call on god so i encourage all of you to attend that that is right here at this campus only so if you're over at baseline you'll have to come over here on wednesday night uh, seven o'clock child care is provided for uh, all through fifth grade so we'd love to have you here for that well today is the day does anyone know what today is the final sermon in Galatians. This is it today. Today we have started, we started on this journey uh, on January 15th. And we have preached now, today will be the 23rd sermon in the book of Galatians. So, I mean, if you have been with us through this, this is like this is like sitting through a college class all semester of the book of Galatians. It's like a whole weekend, all weekend long, like, like uh, experience and conference on the book of Galatians. You have, you have heard a lot on the book of Galatians. Six full chapters, 23 40-minute sermons on the book of Galatians. Today we have come to the final one. We've learned a lot in this book, so uh, we're gonna do a little something different today. Before you pick up your Bibles, or just start a, start us off, I thought you know we've learned a lot. Let's just kind of review a little bit here for a second. So we're actually gonna have um, a few questions. We're gonna this is gonna be involved participation, okay? So we're gonna have you guys here, Grant, and baseline. I've got staff members over there to make sure you guys are involved with us, okay? So Grant and baseline, everyone's gonna be together on this. So what we're gonna do? There's going to be some questions, and then each question will have an, a letter A, B, or C answer. And I want all of you, I'm going to count to three, and all of you will shout out the correct answer, okay? And we're going to see actually how much you learned this. this. So here's a practice question. This one's super easy, okay? Throw this up on the screen. Uh, the book we've been studying here at Foothill Church since January is, this is just a practice question, okay? Three answers. A, Genesis. B, Revelations. C, Galatians. Don't say anything. If you get this wrong, I'm literally going to stop preaching and work are going to be done today. Okay. Okay. So, and I'm going to count to three, and you shout out the letter that is correct. Okay. So one, two, three. C. Woo! You okay? Good. I'm going to keep preaching. Okay. So three quick questions. Okay. This is to remind us of what Galatians is about. Question number one: The churches in the region of Galatia were being led astray by a group of people called A. The Judaizers. B. The Martians. C. The Academy. Okay. <laughs> one, two, three. Very good. I am so proud of you guys. Two more questions. Number two, the Judaizers, okay, you all know who they are now. The Judaizers were teaching the churches in the region of Galatia that in addition to believing in death of Jesus Christ for salvation, you also needed to be A, hypnotized, B, sanitized, C, circumcised. I hope we get this right. One, two, three. C. Very good. I am so proud of you all. You guys are doing wonderful. Our last question for the day. Galatians 5 or 6, Paul says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through. A, hatred. B, essential oils. C, love. This is a tricky one. One, two, three. C. Very good. Give yourselves a hand. Nice job. Okay. Okay, so great job, Little Church Baseline. I assume you're just as smart as all the people here at Grand Avenue, so great job. So Paul has been talking for six chapters now, he's been talking to the church of Galatia. Now, this is a region we're talking about. There, there's a region called the region of Galatia. He's been talking to them, encouraging them in the gospel that he has taught them. And he's going to blow up. That's a whole, the whole book of Galatians, he's been talking about two main ideas. There's this idea of legalism. This idea of legalism that I can control God's affections for me. I can control God's love for me by how I behave. That I can control the salvation that he brings to me by by the actions that I do. And this is a religion that starts on the outside. It looks at the outward, outward behavior and doesn't look at what's going on the inside. Legalism thinks that you can control God's plan for your life. You can control God's love for you. You can control God's delight for you by how well you behave. And Paul's just blowing this up all throughout Galatians. And he's saying, look, here at Foothill, you may have in the past lost your job and you, you have no income at all, but yet you dip into your savings each each week you come to church, give in the offering bucket, a very good intention thing to do, but you give saying, I hope God helps me find a job sooner. I hope God blesses me and is happy with me because I am giving right now in the offering. You might come to church And you have no desire here to be at church, but you just feel like this is the good thing to do. You've sinned a lot this week, so you know what? I do need to go to church this week. And so you think that being here at church will control God's affections for you and make him look down on you and smile at you because you are filling a pew or filling a seat this morning. You try to appease him. On the other side of legalism, there's this idea of license. And Paul, the whole book, is just blowing this idea up. That you have a a fake license in your hand to act, to think, to talk, however you want to do. It's the idea that God really doesn't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. God, God doesn't have my fullness of joy at heart. God doesn't know what will really give me joy in life. The Bible, it's an ancient book. And yes, he died for my sins, but I don't have to worry about my behavior at all now. I'll set my own rules. I'll make my own way. So here at Foothill, you may be a woman you love to gossip and you you just gossip though with your close girlfriends and they're so close you know they're not going to say anything. What's the harm? God's already forgiven me anyway, right? You may be you may be a guy who prone to anger and you just say, "Well, this is who God's made me. This is who I am. I speak my mind. God's already forgiven me, right?" Because I know at the end of the day God loves me and And Paul's blowing these ideas up. Paul's blowing legalism up and saying, this is not what how you receive salvation. And God, He's blowing up on the other end this idea of of license. The thing with these two things, legalism and license, they actually, at the heart, have the same root issue. That at the heart, both ends fail to trust God at his word. And we look this morning and we say, where do we lean? Or is you, where do you as a Christian lean in this pendulum of legalism and license? Because at the root of it, you have the same issue. You fail to trust God. You fail to trust God that he will save you through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, alone. That you don't have to do anything to add to the work he's already done. Or do you, do you live how you want to live, knowing that God's already forgiven me, and it's okay that I do this once in a while, or that, or I struggle with this. It doesn't matter. God's already forgiven me. And Paul today is going to address this root issue. And what's crazier is that this root issue, you not trusting God for your salvation, this root issue shows up all the way back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. So. I know we're in Galatians, but I want you all to take your Bibles and go to Genesis with me this morning. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2. Do get a Bible out. There's one in the pew rack in front of you here at Grand. Over at Baseline, there's a big rack in the back as you came in at the back of the gym. A bunch of Bibles. You can even go up and get it now. Genesis 2. There's one in your app if you have the Foothill app. So God creates the world. He creates Adam. And, and, and he puts Adam in the center of the garden. And we're going to look at legalism and license. Paul's going to talk about it today, but it shows up in Genesis, the beginning of the world at the dawn of time. Genesis 2.15. Adam's in the middle of the garden. God's going to talk to him. Here he says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, 'You you, You surely can eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Okay, stop there. So, it's a pretty sweet gig Adam's got going on here, right? I mean, God made Adam. He's around a perfect world. I mean, there's like lions and zebras walking around, and he's petting them. I mean, this is awesome. There's all these trees around him, and he can eat of any of them. I mean, the most delicious fruit you can imagine. I mean, he just, oh, I'd like that right now. Mm, that tastes amazing. I'd like that right now. I mean, this is amazing where, he, where he's at right now. But there's, there's only one tree that he cannot eat. Only one pretty sweet thing he's got going on. So skip now to uh, to chapter 3. Now Eve has been created, and the serpent comes on the scene. Chapter 3, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. That's interesting. He didn't say you shouldn't touch it. Rule added already. But the serpent said, verse 4, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Translation, it's not a big deal. He doesn't really know what's best for you. Verse 5, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So what happens? We all know the story. Adam and Eve, they listen to the serpent they eat of, of the fruit of the of the tree. So look in verse uh, 7. They eat of it. Then the eyes of both were opened. They knew they were naked. What they do then? They sew, sewed fig leaves together. They made themselves loincloths. Verse 8. And they heard in the sound, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Here you see it. The serpent coming along saying, You, God doesn't really know what's going to make you happy. Did He really say that? I mean, is it really that big of a deal? That's license, saying, you can do what you want to do. It doesn't matter. And then what happens after they eat of it? It's legalism. It's, oh, shoot, I've sinned. I've done something wrong. I need to go hide. I need to cover myself. They sowed fig leaves to cover themselves. I need to do something to cover my own sin. Let's hide. Let's cover our sin. You see it at the beginning of time. This, as, as, as human beings, this is where we live. We live in this tension of, of trying to cover our own sins or saying, "Ah, I know what's best for me. I can do whatever I want. And Paul is blowing these things up. And it's easy here at Foothill to live. It's easy to live in legalism at a church. I mean, we talked a couple weeks ago, Paul did, about a spirit-led community. That if you're in a spirit-led community with one another, there should be times where people, people, brothers and sisters around you confront you and confront you on sin. So if you're living however you want to live right now and you feel like you have a license to, to sin and to do however you want because God's already forgiven you, there's a good chance here at Foothill that the brother or sister in Christ will come alongside and say, "Say, hey, how can I help you carry this burden of your sin? But legalism, legalism is easy in a church, you can come into church and hide among everybody else and pretend that you know what's going on and that you believe what we believe and, and you know what the most popular songs are we sing and where to lift your hands. And you know we, we love the word gospel. We say it every week. We're rooted in the gospel. So you might say gospel-centered sermon or gospel-centered worship. And you start adding gospel for anything and everything just sounds like you know what you're talking about. And, and so you, you hide, you, though you do have nothing to do with God, and you hide among Christian things. And so here in Galatians, Paul is going to give us this final warning. This final seven verses to stop and say, let me tell you something before I'm done writing to you. So, with that in mind, legalism and license. Now let's get to our passage. Galatians chapter 6. If you're using a physical Bible, just turn most of the way to the back. If you get to Revelation, you've definitely gone too far. Turn to the left a bit. Galatians chapter 6. And we're in verse 11 today. And we're going to finish the whole chapter today. So you remember this theme we're talking about, legalism, thinking that you can earn your own salvation and license, that you can do whatever you want because there's free grace given. Paul is going to talk about these things today and tell us the right rule, the right way to live in the middle of those. So let's look look at verse 11, Galatians 6. Let me read the whole thing for us. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hands. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, account count for anything but new creation. And as, as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. So, to help us remember as we talk through this passage, just keep in the back of your mind legalism, and license. And how does Paul tell us to live in the midst of this? And it's really, really important that you hear him today, okay? It's really important. Look how he begins. See with what large letters I'm writing to you. So if you're on social media, get off social media, unless you're posting about Jesus or Foothill, okay? Don't answer text messages unless Foothill Kids is texting you about your kids. And let's just focus. Paul is just crying out to you. Listen to what I have been telling you for the last six chapters. I'm going to tell you one last time. I think of, I think of, uh, I go to this fitness. I go to Village Fitness. It's over in Glendora, um, and and I've been there for like last five months. And every single month, every single week, you get texts or emails just encouraging you. I'm encouraged. Eat healthy. Show up to exercise. Eat lean protein every meal. Don't drink your calories. Eat fruits and vegetables. I mean, it's all these great, great encouragements, and. I needed an encouragement last night. My wife falls asleep like 10 o'clock last night. No one knows this right now, actually. Uh, Even my wife. She was asleep. And so like 10 o'clock at night, I'm sitting there in bed, laying there in bed. Like, I am hungry. And I have been preached to for five months of what I should eat at 10 o'clock. Nothing. Go to bed. But I, I was hungry. So I go out to the kitchen. And I warm up two hot dogs, and I put mayonnaise on my hot dog buns, and I pop them in, and I have ketchup and mustard, and I eat them up. It was so good. And all the back of my head, lean protein, don't drink your calories, fruits and vegetables, go to sleep so you don't have to eat late at night, all this good stuff. And I was like, yeah, so what do I do? I eat two more hot dogs. I eat two more hot dogs. I had four hot dogs last night at 10 o'clock at night. I'm just confessing to everyone here. And even though the last five months, I had actually worked out that morning. They've been told you can do it. You have strength to finish it, to to eat healthy, to work out. And I was like, yes, I do. And at 10 o'clock at night, I didn't. And so Paul here, in the very same way, he's like, look, I have been preaching you to you now for six chapters. You have read this long letter, but we all, at the end of the day, we all need that final warning. And I tell you what, if my wife was awake, I would have had a final warning. She'd have been like, hey, you probably where are you going? Like. Uh, no, I'm going back to bed. I mean, so it's really my wife's fault, probably. You shouldn't have fallen asleep. So, so he's saying here, verse 11, look, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. So Paul is saying, look, if you heard nothing else from my book, the, the letter I have been writing to you, if you heard nothing else, hear this today, Church of Galatia. Hear this today, Fiddle Church. I'm taking, he probably took the pen from this scribe that had been writing it as he was talking, and, and he took it and said, I'm now writing this myself. Listen as I read. It's bold letters. It's underlined letters. It's it's huge font in letters. It's red. It's highlighted. It's saying, "Listen to these words." So the first thing Paul's going to remind us of is, if you're taking notes, first thing he's reminding us of today is the trappings of legalism. Okay, number one, encourage you to take notes. It helps you remember the trappings of legalism. Okay, look at verse twelve and thirteen. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So, Paul is talking to the church of Galatians saying, those teachers who are telling you that you must also be circumcised or that you must also uh, uh, conform to these Old Testament ceremonial laws of Moses in order to be saved, he's saying, look, they're doing it because they're trying to trap you in what they're, in what they're doing. And the first thing they try to trap you in is the attitude of pride. Okay, so letter A, the attitude of pride. This is the one, one of the things that, that, that a mindset of legalism traps you in. Look what it says. It's those who want to make a good showing in the flesh. Verse 13, it says, they want to boast in your flesh. And when when you accomplish something, when you do something to add to the saving work of Jesus Christ, it breeds pride in your life. You become proud of the things you've accomplished. You become proud of the things that you do in addition to Christ saving you on the cross. So good, well-intentioned things. You become proud of the fact that, that you uh, don't watch R-rated movies ever. You become proud of the fact that you don't drink alcohol. You become proud of the fact that all your friends are Christians and they, they all go to church with you. You become proud of the fact that you still give in the offering, even though you lost your job. Because all these different things, they're all good things. But the intention now becomes, I'm doing these to add to the saving work of Jesus Christ. And the obedience of Christ now becomes a vehicle for pride in your life. So look at it like this. Let's say I just moved into a house. And this house is incredible. I mean, it's just, it's, it's 5,000 square feet, six bedrooms, six bathrooms, a huge pool in the backyard, overlooks the Glendora. And, and I invite my friends over. All my friends come over to the house. I moved in. I say, hey, come over for dinner. All my friends come over for dinner. And they're like, they, they walk in this huge entryway. They look. And this house is incredible. Where did you get this? And They're like, I, I would, I would like, you know what? I built this house. I built this house from from ground up. I molded this, and I start showing them around and showing the waterfall in the back of the pool. They like took me three months to do that part because this and this. And look at this big master suite. Yeah, this tub. It's yeah, made of full granite. It's two thousand pounds. It's so awesome. And I start taking around all these different different features of my house, and they'd be like, Wow, that's incredible that you did that. It'd be a much different story if. My friends come to my house, and they're like, wow, look at this house. This is incredible. Where would you get this? And I'd be like, actually, a friend of mine, he's a great builder. He built this house for me, and he built it for free. They would all of a sudden not look to me. They would be like, can I have the number of that guy that just built this house for you for free? All of a sudden, when you aren't accomplishing something, the focus and the attention isn't on you. It's just human nature, church. When you work at something... When you build something, you feel proud and accomplished that you did it. This is just human nature, whether it's a college degree, whether it's a house you may have built, whether it's a job that you've attained. I mean, this is just human nature. But God is the most glorious being in all the world. So when it comes to our salvation, he deserves all the glory. So what he did is he took away anything at all for you to boast in him. Boast at all, that you only boast in him. So we come and we say, God, he has done the work. His Son Jesus Christ, so the trappings of legalism traps you in this attitude of pride, thinking that you have done such a great work. But no, letter B, the trappings of legalism also helps you to avoid persecution. Trappings of legalism helps you to avoid persecution. You're probably like, "That's a little weird, Shane. How how does that being legalistic help you to avoid persecution?" Well, look at verse 12 for just a second, then we'll talk about it. Verse 12 says, look, it's, he, they want to make you a good showing in your flesh uh, only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So Paul brings this up, and so I think we talk about it. There's there's a couple ways to look at this. Number one, back in the day of Paul, when Paul was writing this to the, the church, he was very accurate. I mean... The, 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 up to that time, the way you receive salvation is by following these ceremonial cleansing laws of the Old Testament. And one of them is that you are circumcised. So if, if you were a Christian who went into a Jewish synagogue at that time and started preaching or teaching or talking with your friends, like, actually, no, I think I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Then I don't need to be circumcised. I don't need to do all these things. Well, you'd start being ridiculed and mocked, and the, the priest would throw you out of the temple and be like, you know, get out of here. And if you kept coming back and doing it, they'd probably eventually beat you. And Paul himself, Paul himself was beaten many times, almost killed because he did this very thing. He preached the salvation is only through the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. But you look at it even in modern times. Just last year in 2016, there were over 1,200 people around the world killed for their faith in the cross of Christ. Over 1,300 churches just last year were attacked around the world and some here in America for their faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. In Iraq alone, there there was a, um, used to be a one and a half million Christians, and up to last year, uh, it's estimated it's down to 300,000. So it's, it's very evident the cross of Christ is a reason to be persecuted. And you might say, well, Shane, we live in America. This is the land of the free, the home of the brave. We have religious freedom here. Open. There's no persecution here. But I look at the cross, I look at the offensiveness of the cross, and it actually is offensive to us in America here the land of the free, the home of the brave. Give me a list of things to do as an American. Give me a list of things to accomplish. Give me a list, a new territory to explore. Give me a new challenge, a new invention to invent. Give me new innovations to explore. This is the, this is the American dream, that you, that you come in with nothing, that you put your head down, you work really hard, and you can succeed. This is the American dream. And the cross speaks directly against that. The cross says that, no, you actually aren't strong enough. But God is strong. You aren't brave enough, but God is brave. You can't accomplish anything on your own. You can't explore anything new because actually there's nothing new under the sun. God has already created everything. You can't put your head down and work really hard to succeed because Jesus has already won. He's already succeeded for your salvation. So there is nothing you can do to add what Jesus has already done. Now in America, don't get me wrong, it's totally okay to be religious being religious, being moral is is very okay, especially in the middle of our country, the s- southern part of our country, or even especially here in Glendora. You see churches filled uh, with, with parents and kids on every every corner when, when sports season is out and so when sports season is in. You see churches being emptied. It's okay to be religious. It's okay to go to church to do the religious thing. But Shane, tell me that I'm not okay on my own. Tell me that I need someone else to do something for me to receive salvation. Tell me that that God was wrathful towards my sin, so he needed Jesus. Tell me I'm a, actually a bad person at heart. Yes, you are. You are wicked. You are sinful. I tell that to my kids all the time. You're not a good little kid. No, you are wicked and sinful. And, and I'm thankful for God to saving you. Jesus Christ and his death on the cross bore our weight, bore our shame. So Christ crucified, it strips all of our human merit for salvation. It reveals the desperation that we have for mercy from God. It is morally impossible, church, to stand at the foot of the cross, to look up at the bloodied Savior, taking his last breath, to look at that and to be proud of what you have accomplished. How can you stand before the bloodied Savior and point to yourself and say, My good works have saved me. It is only by the cross of Christ. And Jesus says, unless you take up my cross, humble yourself. Humble yourself even to be persecuted. Unless you can't cherish the cross of Christ, then you can't even join him on the road to Calvary. Because the road to Calvary is marked with spitting and joking and mocking. And if your life is marked by avoiding that, then it's hard to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So that's point number one, the big rock we're looking at here today, the trappings of legalism. The big rock number two, with our last main point for the day, before we're done, if you're taking notes, point number two, that our life is found in death. Okay, life is found in death. And it seems backwards, it seems weird to say, how can life be found in death? Think of my five kids, and every time they were born into the world, they were life, they were actually going more towards death. When you are born, you are instantly starting to deteriorate and going towards death. Death, death is ever so clo- closer every single breath my children take. But Paul's going to say that actually your life is found when death happens. So look at verse 14. Let's keep marching through this passage today. Galatians 6, verse 14. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Okay, so two ways that life is found in death. Letter letter A, the death of Jesus, okay? So life is found in death, and the, uh, the first way that's found in is the death of Jesus, so up to this point, we've talked about there's, there's no point in boasting. There's no point in, in pointing to yourself. Boasting is not a good thing. We see this. Uh, legalism breeds this pride in our life that we have done something great. But now Paul, Paul tells us, Paul tells us, boast. Boast, church. But now he tells us where our boasting should be aimed. We boast only in the cross. And that seems actually kind of strange to me. Because it would be like today, me saying, I boast in the electric chair. I boast in lethal injection. Because back in this time, you would not look at the cross and think how glorious it is, how magnificent it is. The cross at this time was a, was a symbol of death. The cross at this time was a symbol of torture. When you see the cross, you are not filled with gratitude and awe. You are filled with fear because the Romans were crucifying people. This is how punishment was taking place for people's uh, misbehavings in society. But Paul turns it around like he does, and says, no, this is actually life for us. A symbol of death, a symbol of torture is now life to us. And so this is found in Romans chapter three as well. Romans chapter three, you don't have to turn this, it's gonna be on the screen, Romans 3.23, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying is the unmerited favor of God, has been given to you despite you. Despite who you are, the unmerited favor of God has been given to you. There's been this free gift that God has handed to you. You didn't have to earn it. You had nothing to, to, in order to receive it. He just gave it to you. And look what verse 25 says, Romans 3.25. Whom God put forward, talking about Jesus, as a propitiation, a word we never use, by his blood to be received by faith. So Paul, again, he's writing this book of Romans. He's saying, God, through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, redeemed you, justified you, not by anything you did, not by anything you accomplished, but by his blood. His death brings you life. The death of Jesus, here's what's incredible. The death of Jesus was so perfect to satisfy the wrath of God. It was so perfect that in a moment, there was... There was Literally a second in history where Jesus took his last breath and died. It was a moment, an exact time in history. And that moment was so perfect to satisfy the full wrath of God that that death of Jesus Christ reached forward thousands of years to you and I and everything in between and covered and redeemed Everything from then until now and until the future. And reached forward and grabbed it and said, I carry that. And it was so perfect. That death of Jesus Christ brought so much life. It was so satisfactory to fulfill the wrath of God towards sin that it reached backwards. All the way back to the beginning of time. To Adam and Eve. To Noah. To Abraham. To Isaac. To Jacob. To King David. I mean, you talk about a sinner, King David, a man after God's own heart, the Bible says. And he was also a murderer and an adulterer. And you come in here, you're saying, saying, Shane, you don't understand. There is no way that that the death of Jesus Christ can cover my sins and bring me life. Well, I have cheated on my wife multiple times. I've done this, I've done that. I'll be like, well, have you murdered somebody too? Because David did. David did both. I mean, if King David tried to get a job here today, we'd be like, nice harp, cool songs, but hey, you can't work here today. I mean, you are not beyond the grace of God. No matter what you have come in here today, I don't care, you might come here, I've got issues, I've got all these whacked out things happening in my life, but your sin, your issues are not too great that the death of Jesus cannot bring you life. So life is found in death, in the death of Jesus Letter B, life is also found in the death of ourselves, okay? Letter B, life is found in our death. Look how verse 14 puts it in Galatians 6 far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I mean, this is Galatians 2.20, what Paul wrote, that, that I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Galatians has hit this theme over and over, church, that where do you find your identity? Who do you belong to? Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, we belong to him. We only care what he thinks. We don't do good works to earn approval of man. We don't do good works to live under the fear of man because it is no longer I who live, it is Christ who lives in me. So even as we talked about a few weeks ago, we talked about a spirit-led community, I am, I am, I don't need you to like me anymore because I only care what my father thinks of me and I only care how I act towards him and this is what Paul has been saying here and trying to say here over and over that I belong to Jesus, I have been crucified to the world, I am content in him. And Paul uses this phrase, a new creation. Verse 15, he says, For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but a new creation. So, a new creation, here's what it is a new creation is is what exists when your old man or your old woman, they die, they're gone. They don't exist anymore, and this new creation comes into existence. So you die to legalism. You realize you aren't good enough to save yourself, that that your best day of doing good works is far short of what's due for the penalty of wrath on your life because of your sin. And you die to the licenses in your life, and you live now according to how the Spirit of God would lead you to experience fullness of joy and fullness of life. And look what he says in verse 15. This is a huge part of what we talked about this morning. Galatians 6.15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. And you're like, that's really weird. Like, why are we talking about circumcision here? Like, this is strange, okay? And all you, like, uncircumcised Christian males should love Paul right now because he said you don't have to be circumcised when you come to know Christ, okay? Like, he said, look, you don't have to do this anymore. Circumcision counts for anything. And what's circumcision? It's rep- That's representative of legalism. I mean, having to do extra things... To be saved, Paul says, it counts for nothing. It doesn't count for anything in your life. And on the other side, uncircumcision, living and saying, oh, it doesn't matter what I do, doesn't matter how I live, doesn't matter what I think, Paul says, it counts for absolutely nothing. So, what's left that really counts? Boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ. He says, that's all that's left. Boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ that brings about a new creation in you. Because when you boast in his work, you are free from the trappings of legalism and the death on the cross can bring you life, a new creation, a man or a woman who now lives in full reliance on the spirit of God to be at work in your life day after day. And look what verse 16 says. Let's keep marching. And as for all who walk by this rule, what rule? The rule of not living in legalism, not living in license, but living and boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ, all those who walk by this rule, here's what you get: peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So those who walk in, in that way of boasting only in the cross for their salvation, not relying on anything else, you receive mercy. And mercy, what is it? Mercy is just this idea that the God looks down on you, and He has pity. God looks down on you. He has compassion on your low estate. I mean, you talk about offense. This is offensive sometimes to people. That Oh, I'm low? I need to be pitied? And yes, you do, because Ephesians 2 says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You, weren't, you were dead. You were not on the side of the road with a skinned up knee hitchhiking to the next town. You were literally in the ditch, bloodied and mangled and lifeless without a heartbeat. That's who you were. And the biggest but in the Bible, verse 4, says, but God being rich in mercy. Mercy. You did nothing. You just laid there lifeless. But God, you came dead in your sin. You came dead with your so-called good works. You came dead with a fake license in your hand. You come in here saying, oh man, I've done this. I've done this in my life. I looked at porn three times this week. I'm kind of hungover right now because i have drunk last night. God, please forgive me. And what does God do? A God being rich in mercy, he just changes the subject. He says, don't care about what you've done. Look, look what I have done. You were bloodied. You did nothing. But look what I did for you. How incredible, church, that you come with sin, with shame, and you realize like Adam and Eve that you have sinned. You are naked. You are ashamed. You try to hide. But then you come before God and he just says, shh, look what Look at my sacrifice for you through my son, Jesus. Look what I have done. Because it's not about you, church. It's not about how good you think you are. It's not about how bad you think you have been in your life. God calls us to life through the death of his son, through the death of ourselves, and it's about the cross. And hear this little church this morning. We only can boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. That is our only boast that we can hang on this morning. And those walking in grace and peace, this is what we get. We get our subject changed. It's not about you anymore. Yes, you were dead, but God. But God being rich in mercy. It doesn't say, but God being rich in mercy through the good works that he produced. No, but God being rich in mercy made you alive together with Christ. That's it. You get your subject changed. You get your tone changed. And God says, I don't care what you think you've done well. I don't care what you you think you've done wrong. Look what I've done for you. Got two minutes. Got to keep moving. Verse 17, okay? Let's finish this up now. Verse 17, final two verses. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of of Jesus. Okay, so real quick here. This is this is talking literally about physical markings. Paul literally had physical markings on his body. He was literally beaten. This wasn't figurative. He was literally almost killed. He was literally whipped. He had literal scabs and bloody marks and scars on his body. And this is what he's talking about. But for us, let me let me let me bring it down to our level. Like I I do understand. Like we aren't physically persecuted here in America. We don't bear physical markings. I know there is around the world, there, there, there is that, but luckily here in America, by God's grace, we still are not physically persecuted for our faith. So here's some things. Um, first of all, my kids, eh, I work out three times a week. I think I mentioned that before. Eh, every time I come home from, from working out in the morning, uh, my kids are there, they see me, and I am drenched in sweat. I mean drenched from head to toe in sweat, and, and I take off my shirt, and they know what's coming. They all run. My little Jacob calls this area right here fur. Like I have a hair right here. He calls it fur. And they know what's coming. It's called a fur hug. And they know. And they all scatter. And I kind of pick one for the morning. I say, hmm, which one's going to get it today? And they all scatter, and I get one in the corner. They're like, no, Dad, no, Dad. And I get what I get when I get their head. And I place it here, and they're shaking. They can't resist it. And bam, their face goes right here. And it rubs around, and I finally get them off. They're like, pfft ah, that's so gross, and they kind of smile, and they actually really like it, at least I think they do. But I love it, I love it, it's so fun. Okay, but the markings of Jesus, look, as they get older, and they are scarred by that internally, um, that's not a mark of Jesus. Okay, mark of Jesus is not my male pattern baldness, it's not a crooked nose, it's not an overbearing boss or a a cranky mother-in-law, this is not the marks of Jesus. So for us here today in America, the marks of Jesus would be looking at your bank account. I mean, are there things that you would love to do that you aren't able to do because of your financial giving? That is a mark of Jesus. There are things that your friends get to do that you aren't. Are there things, if your friends looked at your calendar, that that you don't have time for because you're at a Wednesday night prayer night? or You're at church on a Sunday morning, so you're not not at the beach right now. I mean, are there things that you aren't being able to participate in that your friends get to do that, that you're not? You know, I thought even my son, junior high and high school students, are there, I think of my son who likes that uh, Clash Royale, okay? I mean, he, he loves this game, he plays it a lot, but I mean, the poor guy, he's at church here all the time, he's not getting to play it as much as his friends. I mean, he's serving right now in the back. Hey, Jackson, he's running cameras. Um, so uh, even in the students, you have the spirit of God working in you, and you think, Man, I should read my Bible today. I mean, I've, Jackson said it to me. I should probably read my Bible today. And he reads it. And he said to me the other day, look, I actually like serving now. I actually love going to church and serving. So the Spirit of God is working at him in his life. So students, are your friends, like literally, this might sound trite. Are your friends, like, at a higher level in Class Royale? They have more cards and more abilities than you do? Because, frankly, you just don't get to play it long enough. You don't get to play it enough because you are doing other things. Your time is being eaten up in the Word here at church And you have different priorities than your friends do. I mean, students, that's a very real uh, thing to assess. Where do you spend your time? Do you bear the marks of Jesus by how you spend your time? And this is it, church. The moment we've been waiting for. Galatians 6, verse 18. The final verse. We started back in January, five and a half months later. Here we go. The final verse. This is a prayer that Paul prays for us. And I will pray it for us now. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. So put your Bibles down, our notes down. We'll end like this. Uh, this is a great prayer for us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, church, brothers and sisters. We come in here, we sing songs. We lift our hands. We hear God's word. We're going to take communion in a moment. We, we give sacrificially in the offering. We go to growth groups. We serve. We're overjoyed by the gospel. We, we say, thank you, God, for the gospel, what you have done for us and not anything I have done. Then you walk to your car after church. You go to lunch. You take a nap. Get up in the morning. Go to work. And that enthusiasm begins to wane. You feel the need again to work for your righteousness, to work to earn God's favor for you. And Paul says, let the grace of our Lord be with you. He doesn't end it by saying, and don't forget what I told you. Do this and this and this. Amen. No, the grace of our Lord be with you. And those who say, you know what? I have more fun living like this and like this. And yes, I love God. I thank Jesus for dying for my sins, but but I kind of like to live sexually however I want. I kind of want to treat people however I want. And and you know what? God loves me. The grace of our Lord be with you. Boast in the cross because you, if you live in legalism, you come to him with your tiny little fig leaf wrapped around you. And Jesus comes to you with a huge freaking robe of righteousness. I mean, this massive robe saying, You're trying to cover yourself with this little fig leaf? Let me give you a robe. And you come with this license saying, You know what? Do whatever I want, God. Thank you for your sacrifice that covers my sins and all my sins, and you live however you want. And it's just a filthy rag, it's a filthy rag before God. You think you know what you're doing more than God, and God says, boast in my Son Jesus and what He has done for you. And you may come in here today saying Shane, but you don't understand. You don't understand the issues. I'm facing. You don't understand how much I have failed in my marriage. You don't understand how, how much I've failed in my, my job and I failed sexually and I, I failed financially. And God says, Shh. It's not about you. I don't care what you've done because look what I have done. You walk in peace and grace and mercy. And God says, Shh. Look what I have done. Look what I have done, church. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We are so thankful for you. We are so thankful to you for what you have done for us and accomplished for us. And so, God, now I just pray, thank you for this book of Galatians. Thank you. Your apostle Paul, thank you for the work he did as a church planting missionary going around that region, planting churches, instructing the churches around there with these letters that we can today be instructed in how to live. And so God, today we hear the Apostle Paul, we hear your word, and we ask that we would not live in legalism or in a license to sin, but God, we would live in boasting in the cross of Christ alone, that we would only boast in what he has done for us. God, help us in that. As we go from here, let the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul prayed, let that grace rest with us today. God, for those of us in here who seem that they, they are too far gone, I pray you be with them pray that you draw them to yourself right now holy spirit we love you jesus and it's in your name we pray amen